now playing Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. Hello, good people, and welcome to another very special edition of the podcast Movie Reviews in 20 Qs, the show where we like to review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. I am your host, Sam Hurley, as usual, and this week I am joined by one of my usuals and someone new, but first of all, one of the usuals, Stacey Hurley. How are you, Stace? I'm great, thanks, Sam. I'm really excited to be here this week. You say that, but you went away to Aussie for two weeks and all you came back with was this lousy cold. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was going to try and hide that, but since you've told everyone. <laughs> yeah. And talking about Australia, I am joined by one half of the IMDb Journey podcast. It's Daniel. How are you, mate? Sam, Stacey. Thank you for having me here on your awesome show. It's a bloody pleasure. And I'm doing fantastic. I'm sorry, Stacey, that you did catch a bit of a flu over here in Aussie, but I, you know, that wasn't my fault. I, I, I don't uh, condone that sort of action. <laughs> it's probably the most gentle thing she could have caught in Australia. So, you know, it's not too bad. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, yeah, Daniel, you're one half of the amazing podcast on IMDb Journey. Why don't you tell us a little about it before we get into our usual proceedings? Well, basically, me and my lowly co host, Dean, we go through the IMDb Top 250 list. We do one movie a fortnight, just break the whole thing down, just get stuck into it like as hard as we can. Basically, scene by scene, just going through everything we, we know about it. Every other fortnight, we do a section on our podcast called Pod v Pod, where we have wonderful podcasts like yourselves on to battle with us in some movie quizzes, movie drafts, and just have a whole lot of fun. And there's all other different types of sections we do too. We talk about every other movie we watch throughout the fortnight. We get listeners involved with questions of the week. We do bracket tournaments. We do all kinds of fun things on there. So there's a lot of variety for everyone to listen to there. Such a good variety show. It's one of the ones that I regularly listen to. It's in heavy rotation on my playlist. And after we went on your show, like Stacey doesn't like listening to movie podcasts, but uh, I think you've slipped <laughs> through the ranks and you're one of the new favorite shows. Yes, I've got a select few. Oh, thank <laughs> you, Stacey. They're so kind. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. Now, uh, yeah, as our guest, we let you pick the movie and you picked Casino Royale. Any any sort of reason behind that or anything? Or? Well, basically, I wanted to do a film that wasn't on the, the list since I'm not going to get a chance to talk about this one really and this is essentially my highest ranked film for me that isn't on that list and for me personally I've been a James Bond like super freak since I was like 12. I remember when The World Is Not Enough was coming out and they started playing all the old Bond films on uh, TV once a week and I was like oh I'll get into these and I started recording them on the old uh, VHS and watching them one by one. I think at that point I'd only seen Goldeneye, but I didn't, you know, understand the concept of a Bond film by that point. I went and bought the whole thing, you know, a nice big brick VCR VHS set <laughs> and just got stuck into them, like making of documentaries, all the all the stuff that there was to know about Bond, and I became a bit of an aficionado on it. So to get Casino Royale, which is, you know, my favorite Bond film, it's my favorite non-Top 250 film, I have to talk about it for sure. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, man. It's... Yeah, I'm a bit scared. You're going to out, out trivia us on this one. What well, I'm worried no, about there's is... There's no denying that. <laughs> what I'm worried about is if I slightly shit on this at all at some point, you might just jump down the microphone and try and strangle me. Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, before we do our usual 20 questions, what we do is we hit you with a plot of the movie. So just in case anybody out there isn't planning on going to see this film or has any intention to watch it or anything like that. How dare you, for starters? What are you just doing? (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps living under a rock, because I think most people have seen this film. Stacey's going to hit us with a plot. So what's the plot of the film Casino Royale? Okay, so after receiving a license to kill, British Secret Service agent James Bond heads to Madagascar, where he uncovers a link to Le Chiffre, a man who finances terrorist organisations. 
Learning that the chief plans to raise money in a high-stakes poker game, MI6 sends Bond to play against him, gambling that their newest 00 operative will topple the man's organisation. Well done, Stace. You've nailed that. About five to ten minutes before the podcast, she was practising how to say Le Chief over and over again. <laughs> nah, you did well. You did well. <laughs> you did well. I did try and throw in there. It's like, it's well, how do I what? It's a shiver, shiver, shiver. So looking at the reviews for this movie, IMDb have it a flat eight out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes, wow, a whopping 94%. One of the highest reviewed movies we've done on this podcast. Metacritic, as usual, coming in low at, oh, the same score as IMDb at 80%. But, Hendo, what would you score this movie as a score out of 10,000 asthma inhalers? Well, I was very tempted to say 9,007, but that seems too low for that. (laughs) So... I've gone with 9,988. Oh, Oh, shit. That's good. Very high. (laughs) That's high. A couple of points off the full 10,000, but for me personally, I only have one film that is a flat 10,000. Nice. That's like Sam wandering around Amsterdam five years ago high. That's like real high, man. (laughs) What about you, Stace? (gasps) 7,222. Oh. What? There's... One thing, and I'll talk about it in my compliment sandwich, that just ruined this movie for me. Fair enough. And just brought that score down dramatically. (laughs) I think if uh, we ever go to Australia, you might be finding some sort of poison in your drink that requires you to get your heart restarted inside (laughs) of a car, Stacey. Oh, there'll be no cure. (laughs) (laughs) You can't really cure a bullet hole to the head. Uh (laughs) For me, uh, yeah, I was never a Bond fan growing up. Then when this came out, I was like... Whoa, these movies are flipping awesome. And this Daniel Craig dude kicks ass. I'm not as high as you. Sorry, mate. I'm about 9,312. That's all right. 9,000 plus Mm. is fine with me. I'll be clutching at straws when we get into our first question, which is, if you haven't listened to this podcast before, we always start with 10 questions that we all answer. Then we go into our own three personal questions. And the one that we always start with is our compliment sandwich, where we say one good thing, one bad thing, and one good thing about this film. Now, Stacey, you can lead us off, because I can't wait to hear this. Go on, Stacey, what do you got? Okay, well, first off, Daniel Craig. He's a babe. He's probably my favourite Bond. Actually, (laughs) it's the first first Bond movie (laughs) I've ever actually watched, and he was he's pretty hot. The bad thing is the movie is way too long. Like they could have cut the entire third act. So I just don't know where they were going after that. The other good thing is, despite the fact I'm on a movie review podcast, I sometimes find it difficult to follow action movies. So this one clearly explained what was happening in the story. Like, But it wasn't dumbed down. It was just at a really good level of I I knew exactly what was going on. And I really liked that because it made me feel good as someone watching the movie. Uh, Yeah, I'd say if you've never played poker before, there's some great exposition in there for you. Uh, (laughs) Yes, that is very true. (laughs) Now, what about you, Hendo? The first good thing for me is that entire parkour chase towards the start of the film it is so bloody good and i say that because the previous bond film before this which was die another day that was just littered with like these terrible cgi stunts it had it had basically deviated from what really made bond so great back in the you know the 60s and 70s with the real stunts they were doing so with this film when they came out of the gate straight away and gave us this amazing practical action-filled scene that was so frenetic it just gets you right into it from the get-go yeah i agree with that it was pretty exciting Famously, uh, Die Another Day was directed by a New Zealander, Lee Tamahori, but let's not talk about uh, that. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Once found walking down a street in Hollywood and drag, but that's another story. Anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, 
like I said, you know, I'm 12 off a perfect score here, but if I'm going to say one bad thing about the film is at the time it was released, I, I was very heavily into poker. Like I was playing online, casinos, home games. I was right into it. So I was expecting these poker scenes to be fantastic for me. But like you said, Stacey, they, they fill in a lot of exposition about poker to the point where it got a bit boring for me. I knew what it was all about. And the way they were basically babying everyone else, I was like, okay, I know. Come on, let's do it. And the way the, way the whole scene was sort of filled out, it kind of felt a bit unconvincing to me in the end because there were certain rules that they were doing which would never happen in a real poker game so I was kind of putting on my over analytical glasses when I was watching it like nah that's, that's not happening that wouldn't happen that wouldn't happen that's bullshit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. My other good thing is, uh, like like you said, Stacey, Daniel Craig, I think he is fantastic as James Bond. And while you have Pierce Brosnan, who beforehand, he was like this super suave, you know, tie-adjusting ladies' man Bond. I thought Daniel Craig brings this like gritty realness to Bond that we hadn't seen since um, Timothy Dalton back in the 80s with his two films. And for all the shit that Bond goes through in this film, you need to have that edge and emotionality. And I think that's why Daniel Craig was an excellent choice for Bond for this day and age. Yeah. Totally agree. I mean, he is my first good thing about this film he, he just crushes it like he crushes it like I said before like I was never really a Bond guy and then when I watched this I was like shit I'm on board man this guy is <laughs> yeah, just absolutely awesome for me the, like I love the action scenes but there was a few parts that were kind of just nonsensical like there's a part where he breaks into the embassy and then I'm fine with all of that I'm fine like the parkour scene leading up to it and all that sort of stuff was amazing but for them he then breaks into the embassy and all the guards in the embassy just literally shoot down the entire embassy they don't care who else is in there who are <laughs> civilians or anything like that they literally destroyed this embassy and I mean I know it's got to show him trying to escape from the gunfire and create the sense of tension and all this other stuff but there was just there's a few parts like that that just made me go oh okay that was just a bit unnecessary but and again, of course, a classic action trope where they mow down the entire building, but he never gets hit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, off screen, 150 villagers from the local town have now been massacred. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then final good thing for me is just there was a there was a level of evo- emotional development that we got in this film that you don't normally get in Bond films. Now, it did sway pretty quickly from being, I'm a cold-hearted badass who doesn't like anything or care about anyone, to, I'm in love with you, to, oh, who cares, the bitch is dead or whatever. <laughs> At the end, <laughs> I, was, I was like, whoa, this guy is uh, like me when I'm drunk. His emotions are all over the place. But I like that there was that sort of emotional depth to it, and he actually sort of fleshed out Bond as a character. And, you know, it sort of set it up well for the rest of the series as you discover more and more about him about his family and his history and all that sort of stuff so that was yeah, my absolutely. final good thing I loved about it and that moves us on to question number two and this is one of our Patreon questions one of our favourite listeners of the show Phil Joinson requested that one of his questions be put into the podcast for the princely slum of $5 a month he's asked us to include this and it will be in here forever until he stops paying us thanks again Phil you're a true man gentleman scholar all that sort of good things top and, bloke uh, Phil top yeah. bloke Yes. Now, Stacey, what is this film's question? Okay, question two. What item from this film would you want or definitely not want to be? I've got two things here. Oh, hit us with them, bud. All right, so I would want to be the Aston Martin DBS that gets completely annihilated, okay? Now, just bear with me, all right? <laughs> the way what? that they... Yeah, no, uh, uh, trust me, listen. The way that they make that car do the seven rolls was by using this air-powered cannon behind the driver's seat. Now, it was actually entered into the Guinness World Records for the most amount of flips in a car. And I think it would be great to be a Guinness World Record, wouldn't you? Oh, I dig that. That's a good answer, yeah. And the thing I definitely would not want to be is that poor rope that smashes Bond's nuts several times. (laughs) I mean, come on. Why would I want to be something that inflicts pain 
to a place I know how painful it can get. Plus, we've seen <laughs> him get around nice. a bit. You never know what uh, exactly. might be on the end of the rope after that. <laughs> the thing that I definitely would not want to be, and it's pretty obvious, she ranks pretty high in my top five Hollywood crushes. I would definitely would not want to be the cage that kills Evergreen. I don't think I could live with myself. <laughs> I would commit cage aside. <laughs> what? <laughs> Never mind, I'm probably spending the rest of my days at the bottom of a Venice canal because no one wants to pull me out of there. But uh, yeah, that'd be me. I've actually just uh, rearranged the question to suit my answer. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, Phil. I hope you're okay with that. (laughs) So I'm going with something that I would want to have. And that is access to a full medical centre and ER personnel in my car. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Especially for all those times, you know, your heart stops. No, not a problem. That's exactly what I was thinking. You, you know, haven't seen me drive, man. She does need those sections. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrifying. All right, question number three here. What quote from this film would be the worst thing to say after sex? I won't consider myself to be in trouble until I start weeping blood. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Maybe too extreme. I don't know if it's the same image, Sam. Man, what have you done to me? That <laughs> you've made mine sound really tame. I'm going with the line. I'm afraid I'm a complicated woman. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone with uh, one that you want to say and one that you want to hear, okay? So the one you want, you want to say is, I've got a little itch down there. Would you mind? Yep. <laughs> and the worst thing you'd want to hear after sex is, oh, someone's in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Touches a nerve, but yeah, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first thing I thought of too. <laughs> okay, guys, so question number four. If you guys were a recruitment consultant and this film came to you looking for a job, what sort of job would this movie be suitable for? So I'm picking out parts of this movie not the entire thing and we've already actually touched on it so the job is the narrator on a nature documentary and that is what? okay that is in <laughs> reference to the basically the narration of the poker game that we get explaining what every move is what's unfolding on screen effectively <laughs> yeah okay I, I know better than to question your logic. What about you, Hendo? I've gone with, uh, for the whole basis of the film, and basically the basis of the film franchise in general, I've gone with a teacher who caters to the elderly learning how to survive in the modern era, basically updating <laughs> them on the new technology, how people talk now, basically making sure they don't become a relic of the past. That's such that a good answer. so good. <laughs> oh, man, that's so good. Thank you. I went with a wedding MC. What? And there's the look I love Why? every podcast. It's classy, but it knows how to pack an awesome action-filled story that keeps the guests entertained. And then it uh, finishes on a bit of a somber note as we remember why we're there. That's exactly what... <laughs> exactly what a wedding MC always does. Everyone I've been to, it's the same thing. It's, hey, here's a funny story about the bride. Here's a funny story about the groom. Oh, let's not forget the people that aren't here today. (laughs) Good save. Yeah, good answer, Sam. (laughs) Question number five. What would the porn parody name for this movie be? Now, normally when I try and do a porn parody name, I try and make it play off the the title of the film. So this is a stretch here. The title of of the actual film is... Casino Royale, all right. So I'm going Splashing Royal Hall. <laughs> <laughs> that what do you think of that? Stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to go with Casino Royale with cheese, and don't ask me to elaborate. Oh, I don't think you need to. <laughs> I also struggle with this question and can never think of any answers. Um, this was my backup choice. So this kidding. is the, the backup. Arsino Royale. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that one. 
That moves us okay. on to question number six. And before Hendo hits us with it, this is also one of our premier Patreon questions. This question came courtesy of Emily Higgins, one of the most amazing girls on the face of the planet. Probably the coolest woman I've ever met. I'm oh, waiting yeah, for the blah, punch blah. in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Emily also hosts a podcast where she puts two movies together and tells you why one of them that's typically hated by most people is awesome and the other one that's typically loved by people is actually pretty crap. So we worked together and we came up with a question that's sort of in theme with her with her podcast. I'll put a link into the show notes if anyone wants to check it out. It's a great show. I do listen to it. It's a fantastic show. Get on it. And yeah, so this is your question. Oh, yeah. What other film would be the best or worst to watch with this as a double header. I am going to go with Johnny English because you've gone from the awesome as, as the worst. This is you've gone from the awesome. Oh, clearly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've gone from the awesomeness that is uh, Casino Royale, and it sort of puts you in a hyped up action mood, and then you get dragged through the gutter of whatever that sort of parody type film is. Not to shit on Johnny English, it's probably going to pop up on Taste's podcast at some point. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've probably just given her two films to say. You yeah. know, Casino Royale is crap, and Johnny English is amazing. But yeah, it's just not for me. I'm going for a worse i'm going with mission impossible now any mission impossible movie it's just way too much i thought casino royale was too long if you're going to make me sit there and watch another action movie that's quite similar no thanks there's a list of people that <laughs> stacy doesn't like in terms of hollywood actors it goes one nicholas cage two tom cruise and that's it <laughs> what? come on stacy <laughs> what about you bud all right um i've overworked myself again and i've gone one for the best and one for the worst i like Good to man. just answer everything i can <laughs> They are both other James Bond films, so the best one to watch it with is actually Skyfall because those two films are far and away the best of the franchise, and if you just want to have a Bond orgasm, just get these two films up here and you'll love it. Worst to watch for me is probably Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Now, I know, Stacey, you haven't seen it. Sam, have you seen that one? I have. (laughs) You have? (laughs) It's obviously the only other one to star an Aussie Bond, George Lazenby. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, spoilers for a film that, you know, has been around for nearly 50 years. But basically, the premise is the same as all the other Bond films, except this time, the Bond girl is Tracy. And after a whole movie of the back and forth flirting, Bond ends up falling in love with her. He quits MI6 and they get married. But as they're driving off from the wedding, ready to start a new life, the big bad villain Blofeld, he drives around the corner, shoots up the car and kills her. And the film ends with Bond crying over a lifeless body. Now, if you watch both of these two films together, man, you're going to feel like shit at the end of it, aren't you? That's a good oh, point. yes, you Yeah, will. yeah, that's, that's awesome. I love where you went with that. That's good. And that moves us on to question number seven. Which character from this film just clearly needs to get laid? Clearly it's Vesper. I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> Can I just say that every time? Yes, I can, and I will, damn it. <laughs> Any particular reason why? So before we find out what her backstory is, she works in finance, and she seems a little <laughs> uptight. <laughs> but then after we find out what her backstory is, I think she still needs to get laid because, I mean, she's just torn between this, this whole love triangle, good and bad, and what should I do, and, you know, what better to do than... Get laid. <laughs> take, a, take your mind off you, I reckon, eh? Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say Le Chief, but we see him with a woman, so that guy's obviously getting some. So I'm going to say Felix Leiter. You see how uptight and anxious he is during that poker game. Maybe if the guy got his rocks off, he'd probably just calm down and relax, maybe play some better poker next time. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I've got a... I've, yeah, I've sort of done a bit of you here. I've actually got... Uh, 
two answers for this. Now, the first is the Alex Demetrius character, the one that's uh, wife cheats on him with James ah, yes. Bond. Um, so he's the most pent-up, frustrated man in the entire movie, I think. I think he's <laughs> yes. in desperate need, and obviously he's not getting laid because his wife very quickly jumps on James Bond's pants, which is, yeah, saying something, but... <laughs> well, it's Bond. I mean, they all do it. Yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> And the other one where I was going to go with is M, was Judy Dench. She seems she seemed way too casual about waking up and finding a man in a room. I think she was like, oh, this is, this is awesome. What are you doing in here? And that moves us on to question number eight, Stacey's favourite question. How would you incorporate Nicolas Cage into this movie? You want to have Nick Cage in a medium-sized role where he can come in and shine for a small portion of the film. And with that in mind, I went for the dealer in the poker game. But... He's got to make every line shine. I mean, could you imagine him gradually getting more over the top in the final hand? Oh, flush! Full house! Oh, bigger full house! Oh, shit! Straight flush! He'd just take over. It'd be amazing. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. That's actually a great answer. I even love that. That that would make the whole poker game more exciting. Oh, definitely. Uh, you forget what movie you were watching. Oh, you totally <laughs> yeah. would. It's, oh, it, fuck. I just want him in everything, damn it. <laughs> the one for me was the crazy bomber dude at the airport. I wish that was Nicolas Cage because the guy already looks pretty shady. But if you've got Nicolas Cage playing him, he looks even shadier than shit. And James Bond has some pretty out there villains. It would only make sense that uh, he's in there for a little small role. We get one awesome fight scene between the two of them and when yeah. they're driving through the airport. Plus, we get the added satisfaction of watching Nicolas Cage blow himself up accidentally. I was going to say that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I think that Nick Cage, as always, needs a suitably small role in the film, and I think he'd be perfect to play Mr. White. He turns up at the end, gets shot, that end. <laughs> and, you know what's, and you know what's good about that is, he comes back for the sequel. Oh, no! Yeah, more Cage. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question nine is What deep philosophical debate arose in you during this film? Oh, round of applause Nearly everyone that has to ask that question fucks it up To be fair, I've been practicing that word all for the last two weeks <laughs> So the question <laughs> I came up with is Holy shit, how poor is MI6 If they can't afford $10 million or $5 million or whatever it is To buy back into the poker game you know, they can afford DB7 and all these gadgets And flying Bond around the world to stay in the most amazing hotels And suits and Liquor and probably, um, you know, treatment for sexually related diseases and all that sort of stuff, but they can't afford to buy him back into a poker game. Like, are they, was this around, it was, it was sort of around the same year as the global financial crisis and stuff like that. So maybe MI6 is one of the first places to go down. Yeah, being a bit cheap. Yeah. And I loved how America was like, oh, we can afford it. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I don't know if that is a philosophical debate because. Isn't it about control? It's like the finance department says no. <laughs> yeah, and actually matter. to a degree, Ves- Vespa says no. Yeah, that is true. Exactly. That is true. Yeah, maybe. So it's more about, you know, who's more in control in this situation. You reckon it was a power play by Vespa, right? Power play, yeah. Mm. What about you, Sos? Okay, this is not really a debate. It's kind of more of a question I don't want to know the answer to because I like living in my little bubble of happiness and thinking <laughs> that the world is a lovely place. But that airport bomber dude... Like, yeah. he was just out there trying to blow up an airplane. Yeah, it was just a nice guy trying to get by. So, my <laughs> question is, are there really people like that in the world? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Do you not re- uh, watch the news? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
like I just can't get the psychology of it. But he's just like following instructions, and he's just so dumb. Like he doesn't even know <laughs> that his little beeper is clipped to him at the end. Yeah, I think that that is a bit stupid. That is a bit stupid. Something that's beeping continuously, he doesn't notice until it beeps a little bit faster. That's what and I even don't then get. he does bugger all. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> just the wide-eyed stare of oh. All right, so I went in the same vein as you, Stacey. It's a it's a debate I I don't want to know the answer to, and I'm going to get a little deep here. So when Vespa, the woman Bond loves, kills herself, it marks the beginning of the James Bond we grew up with, you know, cold, emotionally unavailable, etc. And it actually got me wondering how I would turn out if something similar happened to me. It's obviously something I don't want to be thinking about, you know, my wife passing away, but what would I become if that happened? It just—it's uh, something I don't want to know about. That's a good point. Mm. Sorry to give you a downer there. No, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the same as you. A couple of days would probably move on, but insert marker. I think that's interesting, and I think that's isn't that just a character of James Bond? Like he was emotionally closed off before he met her, so it was easy for him to go back to that mode. See, I, I think I think we're talking about this in a little bit, but I think he can. After this happens, he completely shuts himself off for good, forever. Yeah, like there was something to him, as like as he as you see, like he does fall in love with her here, and then after all this, he's like, "That's it, I'm done," and he just becomes Bond that we all know. It sort of needed to happen in order for the other films to flow on, but it's still exactly. It's yeah, yeah, it's a good one. I really like that. Well done, man. And that moves us down to our final question of the uh, all uh, all play questions, which is what top ten list would you have this film on? Okay, so this is going on the top ten list of movies where the love interest dies. Oh, that's a good one. Mm. Yeah, very good. I went with top ten films that brought someone back from the dead. <laughs> that's good too. And by that, I mean the career of James Bond. <laughs> I was just going to ask who came yeah. back from the dead, and I didn't want to sound stupid. You did. <laughs> well, didn't you want something in your car to help you come oh, back to yes. life? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Stace, I love you. For my one, it's the top ten films where you almost want to really see a side character's movie as well. Like that guy at the start, that parkour guy, holy shit. Oh, yeah. I would love to see a film just based around him. That'd be great. And that moves us on to our personal questions. Stacey's going to ask us three questions that we answer. She doesn't have to answer them herself, but uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. What side character from this film is having the worst day ever? Obviously, it's Le Chief. Uh, seriously. He's, <laughs> he's lost a terrorist organization's money. He gets owned in a massive poker game. He gets shot in the head for screwing everything up. And to cap it off, he cries blood. That's just unfortunate it's on his own. Now, I was pretty tempted to mention Alex, our mate that ends up dead, that wife's cheating on and all that sort of stuff. He was my backup option. But the one for me, and unless you've really seen this film, you probably won't notice this guy, but we were talking about the parkour scene at the start. The parkour guy is jumping through this building, running around, all that sort of stuff, and Bond's chasing after him. At one point, he comes running along this walkway, and there's a guy just standing there doing his job, welding some, you know, metal together or whatever, and turns around, sees the parkour guy, jumps out of the way, then falls about two stories, lands on his back, uh, acetylene torch goes flying off him, think, oh man, that guy's going to be paralyzed for the rest of his life. Well, his life is about two seconds long because the acetylene torch explodes (laughs) and kills him in a ball of flames. That guy is having the worst day ever. I do see that every time it comes. I'm like, oh, gee, that's a bit harsh. What do you need to do? Yeah. <laughs> it's totally overkill, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Some extra that probably came on the scene and probably pissed off Daniel Craig, and Daniel Craig went to the director and was like, mate, you've got to kill this guy in the best way possible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 
As I mentioned at the start of my compliment sandwich, I wonder if you guys agree with me. Who's the sexiest <laughs> Bond in your opinion? I disagree. Ooh. I would say it's Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> the guy is just so suave and charming. He pulls off that silver fox look to a T. He'd yeah. definitely, definitely be the first Bond I'd switch for. He'd definitely be the first <laughs> Bond I'd switch to the other side for. Well, virtual high five because I had him as well. And the sole Fantastic. reason I had him was because it, I can't remember what film it was, but it, anyone that can deliver the line of, I only I thought Christmas only came once a year. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, the world is not enough. <laughs> yeah, the world is not enough. Perfect line. Stacey's looking at me blankly. In it's one of the, the Bond girl, his last name's Christmas or something like that. It's Denise Richards, yeah. isn't it? And he just yeah. like looks at her and goes, I thought Christmas only came once a year. <laughs> and then if anyone could deliver that line without pissing themselves laughing while saying it, then, yep, he's going to win it. Okay. Nah, perfect answer. Well, that tells me a lot. <laughs> Question 13. What flavor burger is this movie? So for me, it would be the classic burger, but now with added bacon. Ooh. Because we love the classic burger. It's been around for years and it's a staple in our society. But now we've got something new with it. Something that makes the burger infinitely times better. And I mean, come on, who doesn't love bacon? Funnily enough, for me, it is. It's a beef and bacon burger. That's exactly the same as you, nice. mate. Nice. I, I just went with something classic, just with that added bit of bacon, just that little bit that, ooh, this is a little tasty morsel, basically. Just <laughs> that. Two minds, Sam, two minds. Exactly. So that moves you on to my set of questions. If this movie was a kid, maybe a stereotypical kid at school, what sort of kid would that movie be? It's the rich kid. Got everything. I went with the kid who's been held back a few years, been around the block at school, but he's starting to see the error of his ways and putting in the effort to finally graduate to that next level at school. Yeah, that's a good answer as well. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. That was centered around like the whole theme of the Bond franchise once again. <laughs> that's what I go to with these things. That Casino Royale just invigorated this franchise yeah. And, yeah, from near certain death, to be honest. Yeah, no, I dig that. That's a good answer. So, question number 15. A la Le Chief, what would be your supervillain name? Is Le Chief French? Oui, oui. So, along the same lines, I'm going with Le Rouge Fox. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly couldn't think of anything that sounded cool enough to warrant any type of fear into people's hearts when they hear it. So I searched out for some help and what better place to find out a whole bunch of random stuff about yourself than uh, BuzzFeed. So <laughs> I took one of their dumb quizzes and after some expert analysis of my inner psyche, I got Professor Armageddon. It's <laughs> not bad, not bad. Striking fear into the hearts there, I tell you. Yeah. Armageddon. Pretty good. Okay. And this was actually my deep philosophical debate, but I've saved it for this. Now, at the end, well, we've talked about it. Vesper Lynn dies. It's very sad. We see her lock herself in that cage and then basically drown herself. But uh, why did she doom herself? I think it's because she betrayed someone that she loved either way. Whether it was her original ex that she kind of had partnered up with and was doing the thing. Yes. Or whether it was James Bond. Either yeah. way... She just couldn't live with the fact that she'd betrayed one or two people. Yeah, that's pretty much my interpretation of it too. But you do get a bit of information about the whole thing in general. You do find out that Vespa had actually cut a deal with the blackmailers while she was being tortured. She told them to spare Bond and in return she would give the money back. As well as the fact that her boyfriend, Yusef, was kidnapped by Quantum, who Bond actually finds in the next film, Quantum of Solace. And he, what happens there is he finds out that Yusef actually does work for Quantum. And he, what he does is, is he seduces high-ranking women 
in world's intelligence agencies. So what he does is he pretends he's kidnapped by Quantum, and then he's forcing them to become double agents, which is what she does. So in the end, like when you say Bond says the bitch is dead, it's because he doesn't know anything about that, but he does find out in Quantum of Solace what happens, and that does end up clearing her in Bond's eyes. But I feel like why she does kill herself is exactly why you said there, Stacey, because she's torn. She realizes she's betrayed her government. She's betrayed Bond all to try and get Bond spared, basically. So with her being alive, Bond's always going to be in danger. So she feels if she kills herself here, that's going to cut all ties between Bond and Quantum, which obviously doesn't happen because he goes on a revenge quest. Mm. not going to lie to you. I've completely forgotten Quantum Solace. I know I've seen it, but I <laughs> don't remember Yeah, it's a bit of a rough it. movie, a bit of a letdown. Yeah. That's why I say go see Skyfall instead. Yeah, good point, good point. Okay, my three questions. Now, I've actually got answers for them too. That's all good, man. You can hit us with that. All right, question 17. If you were a supervillain in a Bond film, what would be your plan for world domination? Okay, guys, this is what I'd do. I would divert the course of a comet to destroy a Silicon Valley. Now, if that sounds mm. bizarre, that was the original plot for A View to Kill before somebody realized it was too insane. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so they went for a flood. That's the one. I think I was thinking about this recently after we had, w- had watched Mad Max. and What, how are you going to take over the world? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, I will hypnotize everyone into taking action against climate change. So you want to Ooh. fix the world? Yes. By doing something evil. No, but, well, it kind of is a little bit evil because what's that movie with Samuel L. Jackson in it where they put You think of Kingsman? Yeah, Kingsman. Yeah, Yeah, where they put chips in everyone's head. Like, I think the method is a little bit evil, like mind control of some sort. You're doing a villainous act to create a better world for a heroic act. Yes, yeah. So you're you're Thanos. That's exactly right. Thanos did nothing wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, I'll take that. (laughs) <laughs> so hear me, hear me out with this one okay since i'm a super villain i obviously have an outer space satellite with a laser beam on it obviously all right yeah okay. so i would use that to melt the antarctic and the arctic to create a global flood now that seems dumb on its own doesn't it yes. well not if i've already gone and bought every piece of skyrise property in the world now i'm in control of the world's entire housing development yes <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like a nerdy town planner answer. Hey, you don't look at me. (laughs) That's awesome. All right, question 18. Bond has his vodka martini. What would be your perfect drink of choice to go with a night out at a luxury casino? So I have my own personal cocktail that I created uh, many moons ago where it's, it's basically vodka, a little bit of sort of classic lemonade. Squirt of lime juice, a little bit of brown sugar cube, sort of held at the bottom underneath, uh, underneath a half a lime, and it's it's usually quite tasty. Now this mm. cocktail is called a bad decision. Why it's called a bad decision is because when I wake up in the morning, I like to say, "Man, I made too many bad decisions last night." <laughs> Ooh, but interestingly, it was the drink of choice the first night I met the ginger princess. Uh. Well, it's the perfect choice then, isn't it? <laughs> and I wasn't the one that made a bad decision that night. <laughs> So my cocktail is one that I just love. It's called a rosebud. It's got vanilla vodka, lime and grapefruit, and triple sec. Oh, it's delicious. Mm. Yum. Well, I can be a classy guy when I want to be, so I'd just be swilling on a whiskey and dry. That's my typical drink of choice. Mm, Nice. Oh, nice. I was expecting VB. You well done, mate. (laughs) No, no. No, VB is horrid. It sure is. All right, question 19. 
what card game would you want to be playing for $115 million and why? There's a card game that's been banned in our house on account of somebody being too good at it and someone being too much of an arsehole when he wins every single time we play. It's called Monopoly Deal. Is it King's Cup? (laughs) You understand that at all? No, it's Monopoly Deal. We are no longer allowed to play that in our house if people haven't played it. It's basically a card version of Monopoly and it is awesome because you get to be a real arsehole in it and you get to rub it in the face of the opposition. (laughs) Monopoly Deal is a big card game in our house. It's so awesome, eh? It's so good. Oh, I just make it my goal just to destroy Stacey at the start so that she has nothing. <laughs> I just yeah. constantly make her pick up, like, just get rid of all of her cards. It's so good. Look, I, yeah. I love playing that game with other people who aren't Sam. <laughs> it's a great game. <laughs> I'm not saying it's turned into fistfights, but it's uh, turned into a few frying pans getting thrown at people's heads. <laughs> a couple of tables flipped. Oh, yeah, more than a couple. <laughs> Now, look, my card game, I don't know if I would want to be playing with um, this for $115 million, but I think the adrenaline and the excitement that this card game would bring would just blow people's minds. I'm going with Snap. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Wow. Can you think of anyone nuts enough to play Snap for $115 million? That'd be awesome. Could you imagine how many broken hands there would be? I'd go for blood, (laughs) wouldn't you? You wouldn't be messing around. That was the most intense game of Snap ever. <laughs> For me, I would probably say War. You, you know the card game War? Yep. I don't. Yeah. So it's basically everyone gets the – you're playing against someone, you both turn a card over, whoever's, whoever has the highest card wins. Ooh, geez. And I would, cho- I would choose that. I would choose that since if I did end up losing, I wouldn't be able to beat myself up over any stupid decision I made since it's all luck. Mm. Because knowing me – like if it was poker, for example, I would overanalyze every decision I made. And since we're playing for so much money, I would probably crumble to pieces and would end up committing myself. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's so true. I'd be such a shivery mess. Yeah, yeah. I completely <laughs> dig what you're saying. Yeah, a game of luck is this is the way to go. And that takes us down to our final question that we all answer. You'll see why I had to throw a certain somebody into this in a second. But let's finally put to rest this long-running debate as to who the best spy is out there in the film world. Is it Ethan Hunt from the Michelin Impossible series? Is it Jason Bourne from the Bourne series? Is it James Bond from the James Bond series? Or is it Crocodile Dundee? Okay, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but in an all-out brawl, it's got to be Ethan Hunt because Tom Cruise will just will completely break himself to win this fight. Interesting. All right, so here's my scenario. Dundee is out first, unfortunately. <laughs> he's, his knife skills are solid, but he just gets outclassed in every other way and he's disposed of pretty quickly. Jason Bourne bites it next since he'll probably have a memory relapse halfway through it and forget who he is and what he's doing there. <laughs> I think out of the last two, I think Bond is victorious since if he were to lose, he'll just keep coming back as a fitter, younger, fresher Bond and ultimately destroy Ethan Hunt. I mean, he's done it multiple <laughs> times already. You can't kill this man. <laughs> Good angle there. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> I'm with you as well. There's something about James Bond that just makes me think that he'll get the job done. Crocodile Dundee, I don't think he'd be too long for this world. Jason Bourne, yeah, same thing. All he's going to take is one head, or one knock to the head and he doesn't know who he is anymore. And Ethan Hunt, like, yeah, I get what you're saying, Stace. But yeah, there's something about James Bond. He's just, he just always wins. I feel like he's got more luck on his side. I think we've seen 
Ethan Hunt come close to losing too many times. So, yeah, that's definitely my one. And, yeah, before we finish off our podcast, we threw it out there to you guys, our listeners, to provide us with your feedback and see what you guys think. First up was the 30-something podcast who just basically said, is it a knife fight? This has a bearing on my answer, to which I replied, it can be. And he said, in this case, it's Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> one of our longtime listeners and a great friend of the show, Justin Beesenbeek, wrote in and said, Dundee, while the others are doing spy stuff with gadgets and martial arts, Dundee would just throat them with his knife, although I'm not sure Dundee would be much of a spy though. <laughs> Moving on to uh, Gidget Von LaRue, who I was recently on one of her podcasts. I was on her Retro Cinema podcast for The Vampire's Kiss. It was a great episode. Gidget was on our show eight episodes ago when we did Top Gun. And you've heard the Gidget trivia minutes on every 80s movie that we do. Gidget basically said, Mick has the biggest knife, so... Wow, everyone's <laughs> overturning What is us? going on here? Yeah, I know, everyone's <laughs> just going, siding with the Dundee factor. Has anyone ever seen a Bourne or Mission Impossible or Bond film? <laughs> well, I'm thinking Paul from the Countdown podcast has, because he says, I'm going with Ethan Hunt, because, oh, fuck you, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect timing there, Paul, that was, uh, well done, mate. <sighs> but uh, throwing it back there, Dave from Super Movie Bros just said, Dundee. Provided they are fighting oh in God. Australia where he can mind control a pack of dingoes and other animals of the bush to take down the spies. <laughs> I'm Australian and I'm disagreeing with all this. <laughs> Can't believe you're going against your national spokesperson. That's insane. I know. <laughs> Uh, Phil Joinson, as we mentioned, Premier Patreons, and also another top Australian bloke, so I'm not surprised that he went with Dundee, of course. Wow. Jeez. And he then followed up with, is that unfair of match? Take him out and replace him with Johnny English. Laughy face, laughy face, laughy face. <laughs> and he followed up with English wins. His stupidity is so stealth. Yeah, the only way he could win is if he balls the other three to death. <laughs> That's true. A couple more. We've got Mummus4. That's an interesting name. I'm going to go with my boy Ethan Hunt. But then Tara Maholic, and I can't believe you've disagreed with her. She's wrote Bond. James Bond always win. Backs me up, Miss G. Excellent. Oh, I'm sorry, Tara. I didn't know. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, Liz Ebry, she wrote in and said it would be Daniel Craig if he could turn it into a wet t-shirt contest, he'd win hands down. Otherwise, Crocodile Dundee, <laughs> because he can wrestle a crocodile with his bare hands so he can take those Hollywood wussies easily. Also, Tom Cruise is disqualified because he should never have played Jack Reacher and therefore I hate him. <laughs> uh, look, honestly, Liz, I agree with you, but seriously, the last Mission Impossible movie in particular, that bathroom scene, where they beat the shit out of that guy... That's oh, what won me over. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Fair point, fair point. That's a good point. But if you think about it, Ethan Hunt gets the shit kicked out of him in that scene. Yeah. And so yes. does Henry Cavill of his bloody reloading yeah. arms. But they don't die. They were going for it. Final two, Machu, one of our uh, regular guests on the show, he went with the same thing, Crocodile Dundee. As he would use his mungy sign to make the others fall asleep, failing that he would drink them all under the table. You're on your own there, Machu. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, one of oh, she's been a guest on the show a couple of times, and she's just all around awesome at New Zealander. She went Emma Pottinger. She went. She picks Bonds because he'd be shaken but not stirred by his fellow secret agents. <laughs> Perfect way to finish the podcast, there, Emma. Well done with your pick. Does this mean that we need a crocodile Dundee rehash? Like a reboot? Reboot. Yeah, Did you ever see that fake trailer that came out that had Danny McBride and Chris Hemsworth and it was supposed to be a Crocodile Dundee reboot? No. Nope. Like Son of Croc. Or oh, something. that stitched so many people oh. up. <laughs> was there national outrage in the streets of like Australia? Were you, like, were you guys marching oh, on riot, Canberra riot. or something? <laughs> <laughs> 
couldn't go outside for two days. Was that why one of the prime ministers like actually got resigned or like moved on? Or is that one? Oh, don't get me started on bloody government in Australia at the moment. Joke. Anywho. Dan, man, you've been awesome. You've been a great guest. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I'm so glad we could finally get around to doing this. We've been meaning to do this for, oh, for so long. And it's uh, just been great that the stars are finally aligned and we've managed to do it. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. It's been an absolute blast today. I've had so much fun talking about a, a great film and just answering these insane questions. It's been awesome. <laughs> That's the way we do it. And uh, yeah, as I said at the start of the show, you guys on the show is amazing. Now, where would, guy, uh, where would people find you if they want to check out your show? Well, we're basically on all the different podcast catches out there. You've got your iTunes, your Stitcher, you know, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere you find a podcast, you can find the IMDB Journey podcast. If you want to contact us, we're mostly on Twitter at IMDB Journey. If you want to jump on our Facebook page, even our letterbox page, just search for IMDB Journey on those where anywhere you can find IMDB Journey, that's where we are. It's just been awesome. It's so great to have, some might say the cute one of IMDB Journey on our podcast. It's been awesome. <laughs> I think everyone says that. Even Dean. <laughs> While I'm asleep in my bed. Anyway. <laughs> and thank you, Stacey. Thanks for putting up with your cold. And uh... That's totally fine. And um, yeah, thanks, Dan. And thanks for the good movie suggestion. It was really actually quite nice to watch this movie again. Not a problem. Glad you enjoyed it. So yeah, if you like our podcast and want to get in touch with us, you can find in the show notes below links to our Facebook page, links to our Twitter. Or if you wanted to search it out, we're at Movie Reviews In on Twitter. We're on Movie Reviews in 20Qs on our Facebook page that we don't tend to use very much, but you can still find us on there. You can send us an email at mritqs at gmail.com. Otherwise, yeah, coming episodes, we are probably going to do First Man. My birthday very soon, so we're going to go back and do the original Star Wars trilogy, the thing that, that shaped my film nerdum, really. We are also, now that we've got a couple of Patreons, we are going to do a couple of films that our patrons have requested. Phil, who we've mentioned a couple of times in this podcast, is we're going to do his first. He's recommended the 1999 Australian film Two Hands, early Heath Ledger film that I am absolutely enamoured by. It's also got a very early performance by Rose Byrne. Stacey hasn't seen it, but I am highly excited to talk about that and include it on our Patreon page. Very, very good film. So awesome. Anyway, yeah, that's thanks for me and thanks again for joining us, mate. You've been awesome. No worries. Thanks, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers.